welcome to the time for our second Bible reading, and we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8 to chapter 6, verse 6. And on my Bible, it is on page 700. If you see the poor oppressed in a district, injustice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase from the land is taken by all. The king himself profits from the fields. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether he eats little or much. But the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labour that he can carry in his hand. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain, since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. I have seen another evil under the sun, and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honour, so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But God does not enable him to enjoy them, and a stranger enjoys them instead. This is a meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness, and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never saw the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man, even if he lives a thousand years twice over but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Do not all go to the same place? Keep your uh, Bibles open at that passage. See, that's what we'll be working through this evening. Let's pray first. Lord God, be with us today as we read and hear your word. Help us to understand it and to apply it in our daily lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. At this time of year, you uh, may have finished your VCE. You may be finishing exams at university and you may be looking for work or maybe you already have work and you're looking at different opportunities at work, Um, perhaps different career opportunities or maybe you're even looking into retirement. There are many decisions in life, your first job, your first car, uh, big career changes, your first home and even retirement and for many of them Money plays a very important part in the decision-making process. 
What kind of job should I do? How much money will I earn? Should I take that new job? How much money will it pay? When can I get that car? How is it that I'm going to get the money to pay for it? How much money is enough? We've been working through the book of Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes is written by someone we call the teacher. We think he's Solomon or someone very like Solomon. And he has a lot to say about money and the pursuit of money. The world since his day hasn't really changed that much. People still live for money and they still strive for more. And we see this in the opening verse. Verse 8, if you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, do not be surprised at such things, for one official is eyed by a higher one, and over them both are others higher still. The increase in the land is taken by all, the king himself profits from the fields. We can often get taken in by how good we think people are, and then right when we least expect it, we're stunned and we're shocked when someone acts selfishly. The right person with the right experience doesn't get the job. The person who seemed to have all the natural talents and is set aside for someone who's a a relative or a friend. Those with money and power don't give it up easily. Business contracts can be broken when it suits one party and not the other, even to harm the others. Do not be surprised at such things. Does it surprise you when mining companies take advantage of landowners? Does it surprise you when bosses run off with their employees' super funds? The teacher is telling us, do not be surprised at such things. Because this is the world we live in, it's what it's really like. Can you find satisfaction in a world like this? What about about money? Maybe money's the answer. If you had enough, you wouldn't have to bend to those who are in charge of you. If you had enough money, you could live your life, your way. If you work really hard, maybe work your way to the top, you might get enough to retire early and really enjoy life. Or maybe you could keep working, but hey, if the boss is a pain, you could leave and go somewhere else. It's no big deal because you've got money. You're free to quit. Go somewhere else. Isn't money the answer? Well, let's see what the teacher says. Verse 10, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. The teacher says to us, money doesn't work. You can never have enough. Is a million enough to get you financial security? What about 10 million? Go ahead, calculate what you think it's going to be. Save it up, set it aside and when you get there I guarantee you it will not be enough. You'll still want more. Take, for example, the late billionaire Kerry Packer. He was the richest man in Australia and when he was, he still didn't think that he had enough. He once said, don't look at me, I'm not rich. I'm not a Bill Gates. No amount of money will ever be enough because money cannot satisfy. The teacher gives us four simple reasons. What's the first one? Verse 11, as goods increase, so do those that consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes upon them? The first reason is spending. In short, the more money you earn, the more you spend. There are taxes, insurance, bank fees, there are bills to pay, but it's more than that. 
The more money you have, the more ways you find to spend it. A house, an extension, a better kitchen, a new car, a new phone, a new gadget, great restaurants, a holiday. And there are the things of everyday life, raising children, sending them to the right school, food, gifts. The more you earn, the faster it goes. Money cannot satisfy. You can never earn the magical amount. The more you have, the more you want. The more you spend, the more money you need. Money's not going to satisfy. The second reason is sleep. Verse 12, the sleep of a labourer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. When the teacher speaks about a labourer here, it's not your average worker. He's really talking about someone who works physically, who labours in the fields, maybe a bricklayer, a builder, a gardener, an electrician, maybe a fruit picker, someone who is out there physically toiling away. When they get to the end of their day, they're tired, their sleep is earned and they sleep well. For the rich, sleep doesn't come as easily. Their labour doesn't drive them to rest. The kind of work for a rich person is often quite different. It's mentally stressful. The problems carry over many days and you go to sleep at night thinking about work. It's difficult to put it aside. I've known many people who have taken up exercise regimes, not really just to to get fit, but so they can sleep. But also with money as your objective, it's also hard to sleep for other reasons. Money makes you anxious and concerned for your wealth. What's the bank doing with my money? Is the stock market falling overnight? What's the Australian dollar going to do tomorrow? And for some, money is such an obsession that they keep it under their bed or in a safe in their house. And for them, sleep at night, sound of a possum, or is that an intruder? Money and wealth brings its own concerns and sleep gets harder. Money cannot satisfy What else makes money unsatisfying? Verse 13, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, or wealth lost through some misfortune so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. The third reason that money doesn't satisfy is risk. If you have money, it doesn't mean that you'll have it tomorrow. In the Western world, the pattern is to set aside money for retirement. People put their money into investment funds and retire, looking to live off what they have earned. Back in March 2000, the dot-com bubble burst. The resulting economic chaos meant that markets were falling down all over the world and retirement funds were hit hard. There are a lot of people who were suddenly finding that they wouldn't have enough money left to live out the rest of their lives and they needed to return to work. See, money can disappear It can be stolen. It can be lost through bad investments. Every year even, money just gets devalued and everything else gets more expensive. Your money can never be free from risk. That's the third reason that money won't satisfy. The fourth reason that money can't satisfy is that you die. Verse 15. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb and as he comes so he departs. He takes nothing from his labour that he can carry in his hand. You can't take your money with you. So you work your guts out 
slaving away day after day, striving for, you know, go for an early retirement, I'm going to finish at 50 and then I die when I'm at 49. What's the point? Would that be a satisfying experience? One of the foremost fears of rich people is that they're going to die not having enjoyed the money that they earned. When you die, you lose it all. Money won't satisfy. The pursuit of money is meaningless. The more you earn, the more you spend. You don't sleep well. Money is constantly at risk and in the end you die, taking none of it with you. When you're making decisions in your life, what priority does money have when you're making decisions? Would you refuse to do volunteer work? Would you take a different job just because it paid more money? What is life like for someone who's striving for money? In verse 17, the teacher gives his assessment. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness and with great frustration, affliction and anger. When your life is spent searching for money, you have toiled for the wind. You have worked away for something that is going to be there and then gone. All your days you will eat in darkness. He's saying that You'll always be worried about what's going to happen, being anxious about what's going to happen tomorrow, fretting all the time. You can't see what is going to happen. And you live in great frustration because you remain unsatisfied. You live in affliction because all of these things end up taking a toll on your body and on your mind. And you will live in anger because you don't get what you want. Money will not satisfy. Is this the kind of life that you wish to live? A life of frustration and anger? If money fails to satisfy, where does true satisfaction come from? The answer is actually in the next verse, so listen to this carefully. Verse 18. Then I realised that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labour under the sun during the few short days of life God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. Do you see where the satisfaction came from? Did you notice that in all the prior verses up to this one, God was never mentioned? But now we see satisfaction is from God. Yes, we should look for satisfaction in what we have. We should enjoy life as it is presented to us. Enjoy eating, enjoy drinking, enjoy your work. During life under the sun, this is our lot. This is what God has given to us. If you are not wealthy, enjoy eating, drinking and working and be thankful to God for all that he has given to you. And if you are blessed with wealth and possessions, do the same. Enjoy eating, drinking and working and be thankful to God for all that he has given to you. The teacher says satisfaction is a gift from God. The wealth and possessions you gain in life are a gift from God, true. 
but your enjoyment of them and your acceptance or contentedness in life and your work is also a gift of God. Satisfaction itself comes from God, not from the possessions. What conditions does the preacher place upon enjoyment of life? Is it wealth and possessions? No. Verse 18 has no mention of wealth and when verse 19 mentions it, it's it's additional. It's there. Is Is it that the work itself is delightful, a joy? It's not. It says it's toilsome, it's hard work. It's difficult. Maybe it's a long and fulfilling life. Well, it doesn't say that either. It actually says it's a short life under the sun. Instead, the only condition here for satisfaction is God. Satisfaction is a gift of God. Satisfaction comes from God, not money. For the man who is satisfied, there is gladness welling up from within him. Verse 20. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. The satisfied satisfied man doesn't regret anything. He doesn't worry about his past or even the present. Instead, he's just happy. And the simple reading here is that God keeps him busy with happiness. But it's also right to read here that he is glad because he is occupied with God. God is at the centre of the satisfied man's heart. The satisfied man, instead of pursuing money, is pursuing God. And this brings satisfaction. This brings gladness. Pursuit of God brings satisfaction. Satisfaction comes from God, not money. Have you ever thought to yourself, if I get this job, if I get this promotion, if I pass this exam, then God has blessed me and I can know that I'm right with God. Have you thought when you've lost a job or you didn't get the promotion or you failed the exam that God had withdrawn his blessing from you? Surely if I'm rich, if I have possessions, then hasn't God blessed me? The teacher has something to say about that too. In chapter 6 verse 1 it says, I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on men. God gives a man wealth, possessions and honour so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. But God does not enable him to enjoy them and a stranger enjoys them instead. This is meaningless, a grievous evil. A man may have a hundred children and live many years, yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. It comes without meaning, it departs in darkness and in darkness its name is shrouded. Though it never knew the sun or knew anything, it has more rest than does that man even if he lives a thousand years twice over but fails to enjoy his prosperity. Where was the man's heart? It says God gives a man wealth, possessions and honour so that he lacks nothing his heart desires. Wealth, possessions and honour. His heart is not focused on God. God seemingly blesses him. It doesn't say bless. It just says that God gives him everything that he wanted. But he has been seeking after those things that don't satisfy. Wealth. Possessions, honour, what is the outcome? He's better off never having been born. His life is so frustrating that he had better, he just better not having experienced life. Can you see how tragic this is? Say, I succeeded in all my ambitions and I had a wonderful house by the beach 
I'd been able to retire by the time I was 45 and I was set. The teacher says I'd be better off dead. The pointlessness of it all, the, all that effort that I've expended, the, the life wasted, the disappointment that I'm going to be facing, it would be better if I was never born. The man who has his heart set on wealth, possessions and honour will not be satisfied, even if he gets all his heart was set upon. Satisfaction cannot be derived from money and satisfaction cannot be derived from our possessions. God's not going to offer you money to make you happy. You can only be satisfied in life if your heart is set on God. When God brings satisfaction, it's not through money. Satisfaction comes from God, not money. We see the same thing in the teaching of Jesus. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is a matter for your heart. If your heart is truly set on God, your foremost desires will be for treasures of heaven. The treasures of heaven are forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, life with God, life within the new heavens and the new earth, life where work isn't fruitless, life without sin. You can't pay off your debt of sin with money. Only your trust in Jesus will work. If your trust is in Jesus and not in money, he will pay off your debts. And the treasures of heaven he will give to you. But you can't have it. You can't have it if your heart is set on money instead of God. Money cannot satisfy. Satisfaction comes from God, not money. What does that look like in real life? Earning money is necessary for living, for supporting your family and the Bible tells us that not to be lazy or or to be an unnecessary burden on others. But society itself seems to live and breathe money so it's very easy for us to worship the money, to go after the money, to seek the money. You must examine your heart and your motives When everything else seems unsatisfying, don't leap to money as the answer. I've known many people who have changed their job just for money. They've been unsatisfied in their current career and looked around and thought, well, you know, at least if I went somewhere else and there was more money, I'd be more satisfied. And they go and they get the other job and they work there and, well, it's just the same. It's just as hard, it's just as disappointing. And the money, well, it gets spent a little bit, it's gone, it's wasted. There's a little bit of a flash of of happiness for a moment, but ultimately there can be no satisfaction by seeking money because money doesn't satisfy. What does it look like if our hearts are set on God and not money? Robert Campbell was a Christian merchant and one of the earliest free settlers in Australia. When he came out to Australia in 1798, the New South Wales Corps, the colony soldiers and responsible for the convicts and law and order, they were already well settled. And in fact, they had established for themselves a monopoly on the trade. They purchased all the incoming cargoes and they resold everything at massively inflated prices. 
When Robert Campbell was setting up his own trading business, he could have followed the crowd and become very wealthy very quickly. But he set aside the money and set a godly example. He didn't take advantage of his fellow men and sold his goods at reasonable prices, at normal prices. And in doing so, he actually made himself an enemy of the New South Wales core. His business and sometimes his life were threatened. But it was never wealth or money that he sought. He sought what was right in the eyes of God. Later, when Campbell became the leading member of Sydney's Chamber of Commerce, the Sydney Gazette wrote, it would have been impossible to select a man of more unblemished reputation. And we ought to live our lives the way God intends us. Money is irrelevant. If my satisfaction comes from God, it's not the end of the world when things go astray because ultimately my heart is set on God, on life with God and not the things of this world. Make God the centre of your heart. Pursue the treasures of heaven because satisfaction comes from God, not money. So given money can't satisfy, ask yourself, why do you want it? Let's pray. Dear Lord, open our eyes to the deceitfulness of the world and the deceitfulness of our own hearts. We have often strived for those things that cannot satisfy, wealth, honour, possessions and money. Instead, help us by your spirit to turn our hearts to you, the God who provides true satisfaction. In Jesus' name, amen.